I think I will say I've been saved by therapy. Yeah, I've been saved by therapy. This is In Therapy, conversations and stories about the pursuit of mental health. I'm your host, Nabagazimanzi. Please note that this episode contains references to sexual abuse of minors. Listener's discretion is advised. <gasps> your car Hashem. is the best to drive out of here. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Brian, my poor car. <laughs> if this sounds like two friends getting ready for a road trip to go on holiday or something of the sort, it's not. The voices you are hearing are of Simniki Wemasala and a friend of hers accompanying her to check into Tara, a public psychiatric hospital in Johannesburg. This is the morning of Tara and my friend was dropping me off. Yeah. <gasps> so bye guys, I'll see you on the flip bye. side when I'm, when I'm fine in the end. <laughs> bye. Oh, are you not going to vlog in Tara? No. This was one of several visits Simnikiwe had to make to the hospital to treat her mental illness. And although she's heard here saying that she will not record the experience on video, on previous occasions, she filmed herself at the hospital and posted the material on YouTube. Welcome to my channel. My name is Simnikiwe. In short, people call me Sim. Um, basically, this, this vlog is about um, being a young black woman in South Africa living with um, a mental illness condition. So basically, the vlog will be just about my life and my story, which I'm going to get into. Um, I'm currently in hospital at the moment. Um, I was diagnosed with this in November last year uh, with temporal lobe epilepsy. I was diagnosed in November last year, and this is March now. So I'm back at the hospital again. Um, yeah, so I'll just tell my story. But like I'm around people, and the idea to start this as I watched video after video created by Simnikiwe while she was in hospital, I was taken aback by how candid she was about her mental illness and also just how bubbly she was at times. When I finally got to meet her, one of the first questions I asked her was what had inspired the videos. I had free Wi-Fi. <laughs> I had a lot of time. <laughs> and when I was researching this whole thing, I saw that it wasn't there. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to document my stay at the hospital or I'm going to document and, and maybe educate about the sickness. That, that, those videos were not thought through. It was about what's happening now, but I was not doing it on Instagram. You know Instagram stories when people are like, hi, we're here, chilling at KFM with Nabagazi. With me, it was a video that I took with my camera. I had a camera as well. Mm -hmm. So I took with my digital, you know those cheap digital cameras? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I was doing with the camera in the hospital, but 
it is what it is. Um, so I started and I was like, you know what? My people are wondering what's going on here. Like they probably thinking I'm in hospital, like in bed, dying, whatever. So I must show them that I'm still sim, but I must still educate them about what's going on. And I checked in South Africa, there's not much about mental health on YouTube. It's like the makeup and the whatever videos they there. So I was like, okay, I want to be part of this thing and just make a difference where I can. So um, that happened and then they wanted more. And then I was like, oh, and then it overwhelmed me a bit because now they were starting to think I'm an, exp I'm an expert, mm. like a key opinion leader. So I was like, okay, now I have to know what I'm talking about. I mm. can't just be posting for fun. If I'm posting for fun, I'll post in the group. Mm. Like, you know. So that's how it started. And a lot of people, including my doctors, supported it. In the videos, Simniki Wear shares information about her condition, temporal lobe epilepsy, which is a chronic disorder of the nervous system characterized by recurrent seizures. Part of the treatment is taking a cocktail of pills on a daily basis. Are you resentful of the fact that you have to take medication? Very much so. Very much so. I feel like... And it's unfair. I feel like it's unfair. Um, but I know it makes me better. But it's like, like someone with diabetes, they take their medication. But I think with me, it's because it's got to do with psychoticness. So like it's, if I don't, at some point I will go mad, you know? And I feel like that's unfair. But it is what it is. I was advised that like I could stop taking my medication but if I'm doing it correctly but I, I can't just like stop and that's it they have to know that I've stopped um, so yeah because Sim's temporal lobe epilepsy is coupled with depression and anxiety doctors at Tara recommended that she see a psychologist however this was not her first encounter with one when she was first diagnosed with depression and anxiety a few years prior, her doctor at the time referred her to a psychologist, but one whose identity she couldn't quite relate to. I felt our experiences were totally different. He was like 65. He was Afrikaans. I don't know. It just linked. I, I, it didn't feel right to me because I was like... I need someone who's gonna get it, get it. Yes, the person might not go through what I've been through, but it it, it must make sense when I'm explaining these things. I, I didn't I didn't really gel with him, so I think it had to do with I had to sit down and and think that that I like uh, had to do with the fact that he was a white he wasn't such a nice man, but I was like, no, you know. At Tara, Simnikiwe was assigned a black woman as a therapist, but sharing aspects of their identities did not necessarily make things any easier. So with the therapist, um, she she was struggling to get in because I would answer what she's saying, but like move on to something else and be like, okay, can we move on to something else? I did that for a while. I was like a little kid. Like I was, I remember I, I, I sent an apology to her because... I was like, I was a handful, like, I was like, a, not a little kid, it was like I'm throwing tantrums, but it was my first time facing my my demons like that, so I would take it out on her, I would be, I would be like, 
yo, I was so rude. Not rude as in like I was swearing at her or whatever. So I'd be like, do we have to talk about this? No, 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 no. And then she'd be like, you know, when she says something, I'm like, you don't know that. You can't say it like, you, you know, like with an attitude. I had an attitude. In my head, I was like, I want her to give up so that I say, I can say that I've tried. It didn't work because I'm not a person for this thing. And boy, did it save my life. Do you remember your first session? <laughs> yes, I remember. We will never forget my first session. <laughs> she will also never forget my first session. What happened at the first session? So in Tara, um, this, this is where I met her, right? You have to have a psychologist. So it's twice every week. And then there's a nurse therapist. So they want you to go talk and whatever. So with me, I was like, yo, I've got this person for an hour, twice a week. So she was like, tell me, oh, when I first got there, I was asked uh, 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 like a lot of questions that were so annoying, but like they were not like deep, but it was like, do you remember your first dream that you remember? Like, do you, do you know what it is? When you were younger and you dreamt of something, what was it? Like those, they, they were ob, right? So when I met um, my therapist, I was like, Oh, so she was asking me questions and I was like, oh, not this again. Because hers were more deeper and more personal. Okay, tell me about your story. You were blah, blah, blah. So in telling the story of how I grew up and obviously like I'm getting now to that point where I realize the, the hiccups, even myself. And then I was just like, I don't want to do this. Just shut down. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. And then she was like, why? I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, so she said, okay, we can sit here. We sat for 30 minutes not saying anything. So she was looking at me just like you're looking at me now. <laughs> and, but I couldn't look at her. I was like, I was like, okay. And then when it was time, I was like, it's time for me to go. She says, I, when she tells me the story now, she's like, I, she was like, that was the most difficult patient I've ever had I'm not proud of that now but like it was it was that I, I was like why, why does she care to know <laughs> nobody cares to know what's going on inside me why does she care like twice a week mm. I was like no thanks but the way that she got me and the way that I mean they, they can't share their experiences but the way that she, she got it she, she got me and then I stayed I stayed with her, but I wanted someone that can can get to my level and 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 not just like recycle what they learnt in the textbook. Is there a, an age gap between the two of you? Yes, I don't know how she's in her late thirties. I'm turning thirty, so she's like thirty-eight. So I think I actually don't know, but there is an age gap. She might be even younger because she does look younger, but that's not an issue but I think now that you said if I knew maybe before maybe it would have been an issue but I don't think it would have I don't know I, I suspect they don't say my yeah. therapist has never told me how yeah. old she is no they don't but she looks young but I can tell from when she speaks that okay she's ahead somewhere <laughs> <laughs> she's ahead somewhere so who was the first person you first told about being in therapy? You? I, at work. 
because I had to go for sessions and the sessions were during working hours. So, yeah, a lot of people knew. But you know how therapy is so taboo, even in, in the workplace, if someone goes for therapy, whether you're black or white, it's, they hide it. So in my office, I was the one who was like, well, I'm not going to be here. I have therapy and blah, 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 blah. It is what it is. And people came out, eh? Even my seniors came out. Why do you think it is that people hide the fact that they are in therapy? Because I think usually with therapy, there's, 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 there's shame that comes with it because of maybe, let's say, past experiences. So you know that you're going to therapy because you've gone through something that you don't want to share with people and you can share it in therapy. That was my thing. It's that, or also it was that thing of like, Am I like crazy? Why do I have to see someone but people are walking around and you know not seeing therapists? So I think I think it's the shape that's related to therapy because of what's happened to you. Eventually the walls that Simnikeo had built over time came down and she opened up to her therapist about a childhood trauma. I was raised by my brother. Okay, I was raised by my mom, but she worked. And my brother's nine years older than me. So we had a family home um, in Tanzania, in East London. And my mom worked in Quigney in the hotels, at the hotels there. So my brother had to look to, to take care of me with my other cousins, who happened to be also nine years older than me. So um, it was two girls and one boy. And then weekends, our parents would come back from work and, you know, but what happened was that um, one of my cousins had a boyfriend and I was not allowed to go any, like, like a street below because, yes, I was a puppy like little girl. And I used to, at that time there was a boom shark. So they used to call me shaka boom boom because I used to like, like I used to, I used to shy a boom shark, all right? <laughs> so this cousin um, of ours had a boyfriend two streets away or a street away from where we lived. My family doesn't know this, by the way. Um, a street away from where we lived. And my brother had always told me like, please don't go anywhere else. I also want to play with my friends and whatever, like play around here kind of thing. So I happened to go go um, there looking for my cousin and my cousin wasn't there and then he ended up molesting me basically because he was like I must dance for him and whatever and then I, I remember coming out of that thing and thinking I was not supposed to be playing here I was not I can't say anything I know it's wrong my brother and my mother had always told me that like someone touches you like this please say something don't keep quiet you know so for me it was not a touch it was more it was more a dry humping thing, but like I was a kid and he put me on top of his lap. Um, and then he just did what he did. I remember he had a hard on and it was like so sore what he was doing, but I still had my underwear on. So I, I, I and then I grew up thinking, I'm not gonna let anyone know because my brother's gonna be in trouble because where was he when I was a street away that time? We all know that, like, I'm not allowed to go there. So I kept it as a secret from my family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened no, to it's you. fine. Um... Uh, I'm a little emotional because there's something similar happened to me and also dry humping on the lap vibe 
Had you ever opened up about the abuse before it came up in therapy? No, never. I've never spoken about it before. It was, I think it's been a year that it's out. Prior to last year, it wasn't. I mean, it's, it's even big of me to share it with you now, but yeah, it was, it was, I've never shared it with anyone. My mom doesn't know, my brother doesn't know. I was walking around with anger because I was like, I also have those kind of issues because my fuse is very, so I was like, should I bump into him one day? I don't trust myself because I'm going to do something and it would be drastic. But I'd feel bad about thinking that because the world preaches like forgiveness, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I forgive everything else, but I don't want to forgive what he did, you know? So, yeah, I'm also getting emotional now. <laughs> yeah. How did it feel unearthing this stuff out of you in therapy? Yo, you know what? It felt good, but also I don't like people coming over those walls that I, I had. So I was... It was uncomfortable being that vulnerable in front of like somebody else that I don't really know. But also I I, I breathed better because after I spoke about it, 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 you know how therapy is. So we get into it and we talk about it. So when we spoke about it, I realized that I, had, I hadn't given it enough thought. The only thing was that I, I, I always grew up feeling dirty. And um, ooh, I still feel kind of like ooh about it, but it's better now because I can talk about it. And kind of like, I also thought it was my fault. You know, the typical, yeah, but I, I, yeah. So I thought it was my fault and stuff like that. And with therapy, the nice thing about it was that it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it's not your fault. It's blah, blah, blah. It was just like sometimes me connecting the dots. That like, no, actually, it wasn't my fault. Like, that guy was sick. Like, it's, you know. Um, it's also about, like, letting stuff go. And I was holding on to it. I still am a bit because I think that's why I'm still going to therapy. And I'm still going through it. Because, like I say, yes, it's better now. But it's still sore. Um, I still don't trust myself if I would see him. You know how sometimes they say you hold on something to something because it feels nice? I just, I think for me, it's a matter of, I let it go, yes, I'm letting it go. It's not gone yet, but I, there must be justice about it somehow. What's your relationship with your therapist like? It's, um, now it's, I, I remember saying to her to her yesterday, I don't know how to describe it, but I said to her yesterday that like, I think I'm getting attached to the sessions. So it could be that I'm getting attached to her and I don't like that, you know, like I explained, I, I, I don't want to get too close to people. I, it's something that I'm going to work on. Um, so I push people away. And so I said to her, I think it's a good thing that I'm not going to see you for a while because I'm getting attached to you. And I mean, I'm getting attached to the session and I think it's going to lead me being attached to you. And I, I don't like that. But she, she, she consoled me and she said it happens just as long as she has, she keeps her professionalism, then it's, it's okay. It happens because that space is the only space where I get to, you know, to talk about myself and so yeah what differences have you noticed in yourself as a result of your therapy sessions i see that if i sit with the feeling 
as painful as it is, um, next week I'm able to move on from that sort of thing compared to how I used to hold on. I, I can I can hold a grudge, or not. It's not a grudge per se, but it's it's it's. I'll go back to something because I was avoiding it. So for me, that thing has gone off like things eating me up because I was avoiding them or, you know. So I've also, I've also been less suicidal because I'm able to say, I'm feeling suicidal this week. And then we unpack the whys and, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and sometimes there's a solution. So it would be like, this is a stupid example, but it's not. It would be like, have you exercised today? So with me, I was a dancer before I um, pursued PR. So I love dancing. Everyone that knows me knows I love dancing. So the advice that I would get would be, um, have you tried um, dancing this week? You know, so th there's solutions now compared to when I wasn't in therapy. I actually don't know how I did it um, when I wasn't in therapy. I think I would say I've been saved by therapy. Yeah, I've been saved by therapy. Simnigiwa tells me that despite the progress she was making in therapy, there was this inexplicable void she felt, which she attributed to a spiritual need. She then decided to consult a sangoma, even though she was skeptical at first. And then I remember going, I prayed because I was like, this stuff is always linked or associated with darkness. So if they're going to give my soul away whatever let me just pray before and then you know go and <laughs> consult so i went and I, I and i consulted with this amazing woman and uh, a lot came out so when she said some of the things that she said and remember it's my first time consulting my mom is not there my family that believes in that stuff is not there but remember my family also believes in church so it wasn't something forced on me so i went and um some of the stuff she was saying, I started tearing, but like, you know, I had to act like a G, <laughs> you know. So um, she said stuff and then she threw the bones. So my dad's side and my mom's side and she said stuff about my both sides that what was communicated because I also had to be part of like blowing so that like we call upon my ancestors or the spiritual realm or whatever to guide us. Did you have a conversation <laughs> with your therapist about... The fact that you are consulting somebody. It's both worlds to support each other 100%. You know the spiritual traditional healing realm that they bang drums? For me, that thing does something to me. I love drums. But it, I think, with, I thought it came with the fact that I used to be a dancer. Well, I still think it does. But obviously in their world, sometimes they see it as different. So I remember I... I was there when I was still new to so I was watching what they were doing as a spectator. And then when those drums hit, the woman said, I don't know, she maybe felt compelled. She says to me now when I say, Coco, what made you come to me and tell me to come and like dance and dance it out? Because you didn't know anything about that. So she was like, there was something in me telling, telling me that you want to get up and move, but whatever. So I didn't move and um, I remember like crying because I was like, I wanted to move. And I'm like, why are you crying? Because you didn't move and whatever. And then the following week and the following week's teachings, they did the drum thing again. I became part of it and I just started hitting the drums and I started dancing. And I'm not lying to you that 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 
that big gaping void became smaller. I think it's because of the spiritual awakening, not because of just the dancing thing. It's I am aware of, of myself more now. I'm not running away from myself. Why am I crying? Are you crying? <laughs> yeah, I am. I think it's because of what I just said to you. I don't know, I'm feeling I'm feeling safe. Sometimes the darkness sits on my chest, making it harder to tell east from west. And Thank you to my guest Simnikiwa Masala for sharing her story. Her videos are available on her YouTube channel. For more information on Tara Psychiatric Hospital, call 011-535-3000. Thank you to the team, Denika Naidu, the content producer, and Spamanda Yende, the sound engineer. As always, we sign off with Breathe by Zasha from her album, Therapy. Sometimes I don't, but I've got to walk this hard wire Oh,